I'm a big horseback rider and you know, I've been involved with horses my whole life. When horses retire, we put them out to pasture to frolic with other horses and run around and eat grass and live a good life. And with the people that get older, we put them in a box and treat them like a horse, you know, when, when you put them in a 12 by 12 stall. And I've noticed that if you put a horse in a 12 by 12 stall and he doesn't have a purpose, that he gets depressed. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to this net episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, the only podcast that you need to go to to learn what is actually going on in the nursing home space. Today, we will be having a conversation with a fellow podcaster in the space, Nancy Griffin. Nancy, welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast. Would you just take a moment or two or three and just let us know how you got to doing what you're doing right now professionally? Absolutely. I have 25 years of experience in hotels, hospitality, uh, spas, and wellness. And I have some history with senior living. My grandfather founded a CCRC in Baltimore in the late 70s, and he was mm -hmm. very involved with an organization called NACRA, the National Association of Continuing Residence Associates, about their rights and advocating for them. So I personally saw them in their CCRC that was one of the best in the country and thought, wow, this could be done better. And being in wellness and spa, I kept seeing more and more wellness and hospitality infiltrating the senior living industry. So I decided to make a career change. And last August, I founded my podcast and I interview experts more along the lines of iconoclasts like you, people that are really trying to shake things up and mm -hmm. um, and get down to what's really happening and what's changing and tell the real story. So, I've had I've had the um, opportunity to interview forty different experts at this point. We've dropped three seasons, just started season four. So, so I'm a student of senior living, and I've had the opportunity to speak to some great teachers. Well, well, that is amazing. And this is def you definitely bring a unique perspective to the podcast. But there are terms that we confuse sometimes. And we know that there's something called healthcare. That's a place where we go when we're sick. We're unable to care for ourselves. We have a problem that needs to be fixed. So you go to a doctor, you go to a nursing home, you go to a hospital. You have to fix that problem. Then wellness is something that is kind of mixed together. It's like branding and marketing. You know, a lot of people <laughs> interchange those terms. That's a whole separate conversation for another time. But if you don't mind, let's just start off with that distinction between wellness um, and healthcare, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, I think wellness has its, re its roots in preventive medicine. And interestingly enough, I did the first research study on the spa industry 25, almost 30 years ago at Cornell, 
when I was at the hotel school and there was about 50 spas at the time and they were like fat farms and boot camp type places and they were based on eating healthy, exercising, stress management, healing spa treatments and such. And I feel like that is really what we're seeing in, in the senior living industry when it comes to wellness is uh, more attention to eating healthy food definitely exercising, socially connecting, finding your purpose, all of those are along the lines of the wellness spectrum. And so I think it's an exciting time. I, I, I'm finding much more crossover into spa services, of course, salon, hair has always been big in senior living, but more along lines of functional medicine and following people through their trajectory of health so wellness is really about preventing disease states. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's call a spade a spade. We like to do that here on the show. For the typical nursing home, of course, they have a hair salon, a beauty parlor. These are things that look great when they're part of a drop-down menu. It's a good bullet point to add to your brochure and a quick drive-by on your video. But in reality... You know, you have you have people who work really hard there. The hairdressers work really hard to try to bring a semblance of living back to senior living. Most of the time, it's crisis management, it's health management, even preventative medicine, maintenance care. But when we talk about actually living, I I really think there's something that that's missing, fundamentally missing from the senior care space, and which is why it's exciting that people like yourself are getting involved in, in senior living. I would tell you know my activity staff sometimes that sometimes I look down on within the facility because they may not have the same credentialing as other people in the facility. They're not nurses. They're not doctors. They're not therapists. But in a way, I tell them that they're the most important people in the building. And that's because everyone else has a job to keep the residents alive, to keep them well, make sure they don't get sick, make sure they don't fall. If they do fall, manage the crisis. Let's see if you can stabilize them. Try not to send them to the hospital. But once they're alive and they're sitting there in their room, with their, they have, what, 100 square feet left of space on this planet to call their own, if that much. Maybe that's even shared with other people. Constant intrusions into their bedroom, which is really their living room and their dining room and their kitchen, and that's where they live. Everyone else is keeping them alive. You give them something to live for. You give them life itself. And that that's almost like a sacred duty that they have you know, to fill. So, bingo doesn't do it. Because think about yourself. If we would be, you know, at, if we're seniors and we're, we merit to live that long and still be functioning, and we, we should all be. And you're sitting there and you've been on the nursing home podcast. You've been involved. You managed care. You were a vendor. You were a care provider. You were something. You're a functioning person. And now all of a sudden society looks at you as it's almost like a number. And of course, you're not allowed to say that. But this, this is what really happens. So when you just getting back to the point here. But if you can really introduce not just preventative medicine, but wellness healthy living, the concept of not just aging. Aging is sometimes a nicer word for dying. And we don't like to say that, but that's really the truth. But my point is the industry is ripe for affordable solutions to 
healthy, healthy living, giving them an emotional reason to be alive, a spiritual reason to be alive, just a meaning of life. Why, why am I getting up the next day instead of throwing more antidepressants and adding that to their smorgasbord of medicines that they're taking? Let's get to the root of the problem and let, let's give them something to live for. Tell me a little bit more specifically of what you actually do with seniors. What was Nancy's world before thinking of getting involved in the senior space and what, how has that emerged and how has that changed? Well, just to make a couple comments on what you just said, because I think it's so critically important. I'm a big horseback rider and, you know, I've been involved with horses my whole life. When horses retire, we put them out to pasture to frolic with other horses and run around and eat grass and live a good life. And with the people that get older, we put them in a box and treat them like a horse, you know, when, when you put him in a 12 by 12 stall. And I've noticed that if you put a horse in a 12 by 12 stall and he doesn't have a purpose, that he gets depressed and he gets physical problems. And so it's not surprising that the, the way we've set up our system creates more medical problems, creates mental health problems. So I think what you're doing is so important because, it, and just like um, Robert Kramer from Nick from Nexus Insights says that the senior living of the future won't be called senior living. I don't think that the nursing homes of the future will be called nursing homes. I think we're going to have to probably get rid of that word because there is so much negativity associated with nursing home, especially after the pandemic, the way the media has picked up on it. So from my perspective, I want to make a change and help bring over all the healthy living. I've been a marketer in spas and wellness for 25 years, working with skincare companies or massage companies or wellness resorts, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So if we can bring all that expertise over and and fill senior living with health and wellness, I think we can really shift the paradigm. Uh, of course, your segment of the senior living population is probably the most difficult to make change, I would think, because it's very aligned with healthcare. Uh, at that point, when you go into a nursing home, you have some serious issues that that you need to to grapple with. So I think right. that end of the spectrum is the hardest. But I think that there's more and more of a trend towards multi generational housing situations that won't marginalize and warehouse people that need to be in a nursing home. I think the best thing we could do is integrate people in nursing homes with people outside of nursing homes and 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 make them feel, even if they have a, a disability physically, maybe they have something to share with their minds are sharp. I just interviewed Eric Peterson, the founder of Seniors for Seniors mm-hmm. yesterday, and it's a nonprofit that matches senior high school kids with seniors. And a lot of these high school kids need community service. And so it's a matching service to bring together the seniors to mentor the students and the students to help the seniors with whatever they need. So programs like that, I think, are really going to make a shift. And it's not easy. I think ageism is by far the hardest stereotype to address because we're all scared to death of aging. Like you said, nobody wants to end up in a nursing home. Nobody. And so it's it's a hard thing to address. But I think unless we address ageism, and I'm quoting Ashton Applewhite here from her book, This Chair Rocks, A Manifesto Against Ageism, 
-hmm. she's sort of the queen of, of ageism unless we can really make some fundamental shifts in the way we all perceive people that are aging in our Western culture, I, I don't think there's going to be any drastic shift to bringing wellness, if you say, into nursing homes. I think that's that's going to take a paradigm shift. And, and that's what you're doing with your podcast. I, I noticed you said you're going to learn things here that you won't find on LinkedIn. A lot of the stuff that we find in senior living is pretty dry and pretty with the status quo. But to quote Bob Kramer, I think there's a huge innovation disruption coming and if you don't change, you're gonna get disrupted right out of the game. So I think it's an exciting time and the pandemic has really given the industry a swift kick in the butt. <laughs> yeah, that's... What, what I will say is, first of all, you just dropped a lot of good knowledge right there and we're gonna to try to link to some of those things you mentioned in the show notes after the episode, uh, which will be available at the nursinghomepodcast.com. But in addition to that, it is true. When By the time someone ends up in a nursing home, they are usually more advanced and they have more physical challenges. People are petrified. Am I going to end up in a nursing home? Am I going to end up you know, in a middle bed in a facility somewhere in the middle of nowhere? No one's going to visit me. And what, what's going to be my purpose in living at that point? And this you know, goes a little bit deeper to the core. Assuming that we figured out what our purpose in living is right now, and you know whether that transfers and how that transfers to when we're at a, a stage when we're, we're much more challenged, much more limited as to how we can explore and what and what we can do. But putting that all aside, you're right. It is probably the change can and probably will happen sooner in other communities where seniors are are at an earlier stage, if you will, maybe in a assisted living community or, like you said, you know, retirement centers and the like. There are plenty of residents that are long-term residents and they definitely have uh, the capacity to help mentor others. Even though they're in a nursing home, it doesn't really change very much. And there are plenty of residents who come there and they, they might even be young. They have a physical reason why they're there. They had an injury. They come there for you know intense therapy and the like. And they certainly have time on their hands. They certainly have what they can do and what they can contribute. But the bigger challenge really is for the long-term residents. And I think, you know, coming, offering them real opportunities to be active, even out of the community, sometimes not practical for them to leave physically. And bringing people in with COVID definitely has been a challenge. And technology doesn't solve that problem completely. But the it's the overall mindset that we're thriving here. We're not waiting to downsize from a stall to a coffin. I know that sounds gross and horrible, but unfortunately, if you call a spade a spade, that is how most of society looks at that stage in life. I'll even add to that. A big part, a lot of the problems boil down to money. If nursing home operators had more money to put into the business, which I know firsthand and have been involved in some of this stuff, they don't. It's a myth that they're sitting um, on big piles of money and the reimbursement is completely out of sync with what it actually costs to, to care for them. And the, the decision makers on the reimbursement is our insurance companies, the government, Medicare, Medicaid. And the reason why it is this way is because it's not a priority. And I'm not going to get too much into politics here, but we know that when something is a priority, the money is found, whether it's borrowed, stolen, created, printed. I don't care how. I don't understand how, frankly. It makes no difference. If it's important, we find the money. You know what? We do that in our personal lives. 
And as a society, we do this on a larger scale. So the real reason why there is a lack of funding for, for the fundamentals, you can't, there's going to be funding to make sure they're alive. There's going to be funding to make sure that they're somewhat well. But should there be any extra funding to make sure they have a purpose to live? There isn't. It's just that that's the fact. The fact is that there isn't. The activities directors, recreational directors have very limited budgets because they, mm. they, this, the, the money is simply not there. And the money is not there is because we don't sufficiently care or respect them. And guess what? It's not them. It's us. We're, if, if we're lucky, we'll, us will one day be them. And it, that, it, if we're lucky. So having programs like yourself and, and, and using these types, you know, introducing spa-like experiences to seniors is a step in the right direction. But let's just move on a drop over here. What are you doing? In what ways are you actually branching out into the senior space? What type of environment? And are there specific services? I'm not really sure yet exactly what you are doing. Well, right now I'm doing the podcast. I'm starting. It's Glowing Older. It's on all the podcast platforms. It's under, it's a weekly business podcast. And I'm starting a, a brief called the Senior Trade Brief that's going to be a newsletter style aggregation, um, curation of some content in the space. Right now, I would actually consider myself still a student. I, I'm getting like an MBA in senior living right now. So I, I have the, such a great opportunity to interview people that are at the top of the industry and learn from them. One point about your activities director position, I've noticed through my podcast, I've done some podcasts with some national directors of life enhancement. I noticed at the ICAA conference, there was 18 different titles for activities uh-huh. director, but I, I'm definitely seeing a trend towards more respect for that position and it moving nearly to a C-level position from, from just a kind of lower level, I have a fitness background, I can do the bingo, like you said, it's becoming a much more important role and it's becoming much more technology driven. So a lot of the the resident directors, activities directors program, life enhancement, whatever you want to call it, really need to get on board with technology. My, my sponsor for season four is a company called TSO Life. That's a business intelligence platform, AI driven, that can really help match and not only help somebody find their purpose, but maybe even give them a prompt, like a Netflix prompt mm-hmm. that, hey, maybe since you liked this, you'd like this. And the technology can really enable these activities directors to help people find their purpose. So I feel like the increasing importance of that role, along with the technology enabling it, is really is really cha- making changes. Well, I'll tell you two things. I'll say the second thing first before I forget, but there's a guy on TikTok who's in his 80s. I can't remember his name right now, who has gone viral with his cooking videos. And little sweet, cute old man, a little hat. I forget. I don't know. You Google it. You'll find him. The guy's making waves and he has tens of thousands of people that are watching his videos. Now, he's not looking to start a business, but he's making a real impact and he's loving every moment of it. And TikTok and 82-year-olds don't belong in the same sentence. But we have a lot of assumptions about seniors that are flawed. We have a lot of us. How many people who we would call them seniors, we would call them people who have no connection to technology, became, they taught themselves 
Zoom. They taught themselves even just emailing. They taught them like basic uh, technology skills, even just getting used to the computer. People are much more capable if we give them the opportunity. They may have a different style of learning. But guess what? They're probably much smarter than we are. They've done a lot of things. They've accomplished. They've been through events that we have not experienced. They, whatever we think we're being smart and whatever, they've done this for decades before we were born. The other point is, I love your observation that there are so many different titles for this role. I, I think the reason for that is because it's a real identity crisis. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Right? We're trying to figure out, is this person, is it recreation? Is it activities? Is it life enhancement? Is it le whatever the, all the different names are? Is it entertainers? I know I spoke to somebody uh, recently but she resented the term entertainers because there's this assumption we, ha we have to make sure there's only a certain amount of the time that they're in therapy, getting their meds, being changed, eating, <laughs> going to bed, and watching all these movies. There's, there's time in between, and we need to fill that time in a responsible way. So it's like entertaining is that if you look at time as a problem, if we're not actively managing their health crisis, then we have a problem. What do we do with them? Oh, we have to entertain them. Get the local tone deaf, never made it uh, musician in house to entertain them for a little bit. Get someone else. Now, I don't, I don't think it's the wrong way. There are many entertainers that are really entertaining and they do a phenomenal job with the residents. And they're also underpaid, underappreciated. But the term is what I'm coming to. And the term can be, it has a negative connotation to it. It's like there's a problem of having time as opposed to saying we have an opportunity. There are people who are closer to the end of life or we perceive them to be closer to the end of life than others. And they've already gone through, experienced the challenges, the pleasures. They, they have a very interesting life already. So they've gone through quite a bit already. Now they have an opportunity to shine. This person is taking his, his experience and he's sharing it online. And all of a sudden there's a whole community that was around this little quiet person who, of all you know, never spoke up in a crowd of two. And all of a sudden, there's thousands of people following this guy. And I'm not saying that nursing home residents should be online superstars. They can be, but that opportunity should be open to them. They're full-fledged people, even if they're somewhat challenged. If Put it this way. I really want a, a good example of the way we look at these people as seniors uh, from a society level take the same physical challenges that they have. So maybe someone is in a brief, maybe someone's in a wheelchair, maybe somebody is on multiple meds, maybe they even have a trach, maybe someone's a stroke victim. Uh, and then instead of being 82 years old, make that person eight years old or two years old. How would we, how would we respect them at that point? What do the activities department look like in children's hospital as opposed or children's long-term care hospital as opposed to a senior living facility and then you'll see that the value that our society puts on what the years that are left for our seniors to live i'm sorry if i'm getting a little too heavy here but i, I think this is this is the truth and i'm a little bit sick and tired of beating around the bush and really conversations like this that you're doing and you're reaching out to people in this industry and bringing your experience that you have to this space and understanding, let, let's take these types of, call them pleasures, call them indulgences that busy adults don't always have time sufficiently to deal with. They have time, let them enjoy their time.
bring bring a spot that if so don't let it just be you know washing their hair so that when the department of public health comes in they won't say we abused our residents because we make sure their hair is washed once in a while but let's introduce real life experience we'll call them life experience specialists add that to the list of names <laughs> All right. so i don't know i just like the general idea you know of what you're saying glowing older where does this come from that you you feel so strongly about this and that you're pushing this industry in this direction? I'm just curious. You know, is there a personal event like what 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 what's motivating you? Well, I I think it comes back to my grandparents that they lived in the CCRC that was quite a luxury, expensive, top of the line, cutting edge, leading edge, mm-hmm. and. They had a community garden, but none of that food ever made it into the restaurant. And they 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 were Quakers, so they had they were very much into alternative medicine and taking care mm-hmm. of themselves. My grandma swam every day until the week she died. My grandfather oh. played tennis until he was ninety one, but none of those things made it into the. It was still an institution at the end of the day, and so I think spending so much time there and watching my grandparents' last years. And thinking this is as good as it gets, there's got to be something better. I, I interviewed Crystal Collar, who has the, the virtual brain health center. And when she was working in one facility, she just wanted to get water to, to the residents instead of all this junk that they were feeding them, the, the, the processed cans of whatever it was. She's like, can we just get some fruit infused water? And it was like a battle, like a month long battle to get fresh water with fruit in it. And, and so I think that that it because it's an institution, unfortunately, it gets institutionalized like a prison or something else where no, nothing is customized. Everything is is shoved down people's throats. And I just see a change coming. I don't quite definitely the boomers will not tolerate this. You know, they're they're a good 10, 11 years from entering facilities statistically, but they mm-hmm. are making a lot of decisions, the adult children for, for their parents that are coming to these facilities. And especially the pandemic and, and nursing homes getting such bad, bad press. I feel like it's it's time for a shakeup. And I can tell in your voice that your frustrations, you're, you're really trying to shake up an industry that doesn't want to be... <laughs> shaken up and a lot of that is nonprofit, which makes it i think even more difficult sometimes for innovation they just don't want to make any changes yeah i I don't know if i completely agree that the industry doesn't want to be shaken up i think there are some there are some systemic challenges that they have to confront i think that operators who go into this business take somebody who's investing millions and millions of dollars into even a single building they're coming into this they can take the same money and and invest in a startup. They take the same money, invest in another functioning business, whatever profit margin, and you take out what the business is and just look at it on a spreadsheet and you know dollars for cents, they don't have to go into this industry. I, I, I think there are many, many, many good, well-intentioned operators who are doing the best that they can in the situation as it is. I think that in order for real change to happen, it has to happen on the highest possible level. And it has to be that the feelings that we're sharing right now and the perspectives that we're sharing right now, they have to be verbalized and and the concrete action has to happen. And like you said, like this is as good as it gets. But the point is 
that it's a real it's a real challenge and it's not it's such a simple like oh why doesn't everyone just care and solve the problem finances is a huge huge part of the problem there's the institutionalized mindset which does need to be changed the greenhouse model where they have pods as opposed to long hallways and they have consistent staffing that's the same age who bathes the residents who feeds the resident who cooks for the resident who cleans it's like you would have in in a real home right you live in a house usually whoever's unless you have hired help usually whoever the people who live in the house are the ones who do multiple jobs you know they come home you know my wife does you know manages many more departments than i do and she doesn't have people in her department the people in her department <laughs> get in her way those those are my kids the point is here that it's it's going to take more than just this conversation to make actual change but i think we're, we're you know we're going in the right direction any final thoughts you want to share about this topic before we wrap up today i think there's going to be big change coming i think that concepts like the greenhouse have shown that not only are they better for pandemic prevention that the greenhouse has been really immune from a lot of deaths because of the way they're set up so i think though there will be a big change i think that we'll see some big players from traditional senior living concepts not make it i think that we're going to see a little bit of a shakeout coming because numbers have been so down across the board and and there'll be sort of a phoenix rising from the ashes of new concepts and they'll be multi-generational and they won't um, be based on ageism and ableism and one of the the biggest problems um is resident to resident altercations yeah and and div divisiveness like by the time you have a disability you're no longer able to be in the same group you were before it's an exciting time i think it's it's going to be slower change than maybe some of us want, but podcasts like yours that are really talking about real issues and not just mm -hmm. glossing over and making incremental change. I think you're you're trying to start a revolution. So thank you. Okay, I appreciate that. I don't know if that was the original intention, but as we're just speaking to more and more people in the industry, it's apparent that you know this is the direction we need to go in. But if people want to learn more about you, about your podcast, where's the best place to send them? Uh, glowingolder.com. Okay. So head on over to glowingolder.com, which is really, I think the name itself, it speaks for itself. It's pretty much everything we've been speaking about here today. And go check out Nancy's podcast, subscribe, check out all the episodes. It sounds like there's been some really fantastic um, episodes. And Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.